Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Uh, Luke chapter 14, amen. That was really nothing to do with the thought this morning, not specifically or directly. We've been talking about being a true disciple. Amen. We've been talking about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus, how that when God called out those 12 men, among whom we know one was a devil from the beginning, we do know that, but those 12 men and then Matthias and then the Apostle Paul, those men that he eventually would go on, they would be called apostles, which is those sent ones, the ones who were to be sent away or to go out and to do the work of the Lord, that first they were the disciples of Jesus Christ. That to be a disciple simply means to be a follower and a student that is adherent to the doctrines of another. Amen. Uh, And the Lord Jesus is looking for disciples. He's looking for people who are interested in following Him and learning from Him. Amen. You say amen. He wants those who will follow Him and those who will learn from Him. And in Luke chapter 14 and uh, verse number 25, the Lord Jesus turns back to this great multitude of people who are coming after Him. It says there went great multitudes with Him, and He turned and said unto them, verse 26, If any man come to Me, and hate not his father and his mother, and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be My disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after Me cannot be My disciple. And we'll we'll stop with the reading for right, for right there for now. In this passage, the Lord very simply is laying down some requirements. Amen. He's telling this great multitude of people, this crowd, a following, if you will. Uh, You might uh, might liken it in our day and age to what you would see in a social media following. Amen. Uh, When you consider how many friends you have on social media, uh, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but the truth is, in a lifetime, there's a very finite number of people that you will likely ever become truly friends with, right? And now that idea of friends, you think about Facebook, when you friend someone, it is on Facebook, but then you consider something like Instagram or Twitter and more of these that are becoming the more popular and the more upfront social media, they've done away with the idea of friends and they call them what? Does anybody know? Followers. And what you're trying to do with your social media platform, by the way, to the point now, that people are making it their career. Amen. I know Sam has some experience with public relations in school and things like that. Social media is a huge deal in the business world today. Do you know why? Because if you do it right, you can build a following. There are children under the age of 14 with a a following in the millions, making more money a year right now than I will ever make opening toys out of packages. Amen. 
It's a real thing. They call it uh, unboxing videos, right? And reviewing toys. Twelve-year-old kids reviewing toys, making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Because to the world, a following is a huge deal. Can we agree the Lord Jesus had a following in verse 25? He turned back, you know what he saw? A great multitude that was with him. They were following him with their bodies. Amen. They were following after him and going with him. But the Lord turned to him and he said, I'm not interested in followers only. I'm interested in disciples. Amen. It is one thing to go onto a social media platform and follow someone else. You might like uh, something they post, whether it be a, a joke or whether it would be, a, you know, just sometimes they, I follow a lot of preachers who will put scripture and things on social media and you see those things and, and you see these things, you might follow them. But just because you follow someone doesn't mean you want to learn and disciple under them. Amen? Amen. I'm sure some of you, if you have social media, you may follow uh, some actor or some famous person. But if you were to be honest, you don't want to be their disciple. Amen? Jesus was not interested in a following. He was interested in disciples. And the difficult part about that is not everybody who says, well, I'll follow can be a disciple. We looked how that he discussed the priorities of a disciple in verse 26, that you've got to put him first. Amen? Before your mother and your father, your wife, your husband, your children, and your own life also, you've got to put Jesus before all of those things. Amen? And last week we began to look at the pain of being a disciple. How that Jesus, in verse 27, He said, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And the parallel passage there in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, He said, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. That verse specifically used that word follow, and here's what He said, Following me is not enough. You've got to also take up your cross when you follow me. And that cross, we talked last week how that it was an emblem of submission. And in that emblem of submission, we saw the reflection of submission in our Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 9, how He said, He said to all these people, if any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. And how that the Lord exemplified that in His life. In John 5, He said, verse 30, I seek not Mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent Me. And we know that Jesus Christ is a perfect picture of submission. Philippians 2, verse 5, Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. And he said, How that he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the reason that Paul said, even the death of the cross, is that the death of the cross is no normal way to go. And the bearing of a cross to those Jews and those that mixed multitude that was following the Lord there, when he invoked the word cross, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And it was a horrible, miserable, embarrassing, and shameful way to die a suffering death. Amen. That's the pain of submission. We saw the reception of submission where he said, if any man's going to follow me, he has to deny himself. Deny himself. That when we see the reflection of submission in Christ, it should cause us to receive this truth. If I am going to be a disciple, I must submit to God. Can we say amen? 
If I'm going to be a disciple, I must submit to bear the cross in my life. Amen. That's the submission of the cross. We know that Romans 6, 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And very simply, Paul said this, and then we'll move on. He said, you're going to submit to something. And you're going to serve something. Will you serve yourself in sin? Or will you you serve the Savior? That's what he said. Amen? Whoever you submit to, that's whose servants you are. I want to be a servant of Christ. I want to mortify my members and die to self and die to sin and live in Christ. That's what I want to do. And that's going to take some submission. All right, we're going to look now. We saw that this pain of being a disciple is an emblem, an emblem excuse me, of submission. B, it is an emblem of suffering. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, we just read it. He said this, he said, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The crucifixion was a symbol of suffering. Can we agree? Now, I'll say this. You think about traditional crucifixion, and we look at history, and there's a lot to be said about it. There are those who say that in traditional crucifixion, they did not often nail their hands and feet. But there is record of it happening. There's also record of them tying their hands and feet. And that generally, the death of the cross would eventually be a death by suffocation. That they would hang on the cross either by the nails or the tying of their hands and their feet until that point came when their bodies became so weak and so dehydrated that they would slump and hang from their arms and it would cut off flow from their lungs and they would eventually suffocate and die. What a horrible way to die. Now, you take that into account and you imagine that going on while your hands and your feet are nailed and that suffering is amplified. Now, they would either die by bleeding out or the same way. And odds are, probably, suffocation would get them first. But the fact is, that's just more suffering. The cross was a slow, agonizing death. Amen. Jesus was the reflection of submission. He showed us how that He, being God, submitted Himself to the will of the Father in the Garden of of Gethsemane when He sweat great, great drops of blood in submission to the great task ahead. Amen. But He is also the reflection of suffering. Uh, We can go and we can read it. We could go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We can read how that they scourged him. We can read the Old Testament prophets and how they wrote that his visage was marred in Isaiah to the point that he did not even look like a man. And we can read the account of that as Pilate has him beat with that cat and nine tails and brought before them. And they chant, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We can read about that. We can read it. Can you... Can you picture it in your head? 
I know how we are as a, as a society. And most of y'all, I'm sure, have seen that film that came out years ago, The Passion of the Christ. And it was kind of, uh, it was kind of a revelation for a lot of people because for the first time they were able to really picture at least an idea of what it was like. Jesus is the reflection of suffering. No one has ever suffered for another the way that Jesus suffered for us. It was a physical suffering. It was a spiritual suffering. That the Son of God cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was, a, it was an emotional suffering. When he looked down and he saw his dear mother and the disciple that the Bible says, whom Jesus loved, that one that laid over on his chest, looking up and seeing his blood and his skin and his, the Bible says, bones looked upon him. And then you already know said to that sweet mother and that dear friend, Mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And you know what he did when he did that? Yeah, so he was taking care of his mother. Amen, he's taking care of his mother. And he's taking care of his friend too, but you know what he was doing? He was saying, I've got to do this alone. I don't like being alone. Not really. Sometimes I like being to myself for a while and reading or having some peace. Nobody wants to live alone, go through life alone. Never have anybody around them to tell them that they love them and care about them and, and someone. And you know what? When you're going through something, when you, you know, you're going to the doctor, you're having surgery. You know what you don't want to do, Brother Tim? You don't want to drive to the hospital by yourself, get out and walk in by yourself. Amen. When you're going through something scary, you're going through something hard, you want somebody who loves you to go with you. Jesus on the cross, His disciples abandoned Him. And that was bad. And we all agree it was wrong. But at the end of the day, this is something he had to do alone. That even when John, his, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the faithful man, there he was bringing his mother to see him, looking on that man that he loved and served, that son of God. And Jesus looks down and says, I've got to do this alone. That the, the, the very God of heaven who when he was baptized by John, spoke down out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The God of heaven, His Father, the One. He said, I and my Father, He said, are one. I've come to do the will of my Father. And on the cross, He said, my God. And there was darkness across the face of the earth. Why? I believe God the Father turned His back away from the Son. Why? Because the cross is suffering. The price for your sin costs great suffering and anguish of soul and body and spirit. Christ is the reflection of suffering. You know what Paul said about the suffering of Christ in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8? He said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. 
Say, amen. I, I, I want to win Christ. Amen. I'll let anything... You know what Paul's exemplifying? That first, that first requirement of a disciple. Christ is first in my life. He said, I've lost so many things and I count those things but dung. Y'all know what dung is? It ain't good. He said, the best thing in my life, I count it dung if that's what I've got to pay to have Christ. Amen. Let's read on, verse 9. And be found in Him. And not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection, listen to this, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. You know what Paul said it was to win Christ? Oh, it's to know the power of His resurrection. Amen, it is. It's to know more about Him. Amen, it is. It's to be, a fellow, it's to be in fellowship and partaking of His sufferings. I want to know Him. I want to know Him and I want to walk with Him and I want to, I want to be with Him and I want to partake with Him. That means you're going to have to suffer. Ain't that a shouter? I bet Joel Osteen's preaching that this morning at his church. The shouter. But you know what it is? It's the Word of God. It's true. So, man, Brother Paul, you're making it sound awful to be a Christian. No, 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 no. No. It's great to be a Christian. Everybody suffers. The reflection of suffering is in the cross. Jesus is the emblem of suffering. He's a picture. Okay? He is. Look at him. He's a picture of suffering. The reception of suffering is this. If I want to be a disciple, I also am going to have to bear my cross. And that cross sometimes is suffering. Can I submit this to you, though? Everybody suffers. Would you agree? Everybody experiences sickness. Everybody experiences Loss. We experience financial hardship. We experience emotional turmoil. You ever been disappointed? We all suffer. We all do. Our life, it's a vapor. It's short. Man, days are few, full of trouble. That's the way it is. We all suffer. But if I'm going to suffer, I'd rather partake in the sufferings of Christ. I, won't, I don't want to suffer in vain. Do you? I don't want to suffer in vain. If I'm going to suffer, if I'm going to go through some hard things, I want to go through it with Christ. Amen. Jesus said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, right? Why? He said, my burden's light. My yoke is easy. If you're going to go with me, the suffering is going to be a whole lot easier with me than it's going to be out there without me. Jesus went through his suffering alone, so you would never have to. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus went through His suffering alone so that you would never have to. That He will go with you through the hard times. Through the, through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Isn't that what David said? Thou art with me. Are y'all with me this morning? When we go through suffering, we don't go through it alone because He did. He did that so you don't have to. And so I don't have to. Very simply put, let me tell you this. 
Uh, we know that 2 Timothy 3.12 said, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus told His disciples, He said, They hated Me, they will hate you. And if you're going to bear your cross, there are times in this life when you're going to have to endure some things that maybe you would not have had to have endured if you were not following Christ. You've been made fun of for your faith. You've been mocked. You ever lost a friend over your faith? You know what happened when Jesus went to his hometown and tried to teach and preach and do miracles? They mocked him. They hated him to the point that they were going to grab him and kill him. His own neighbors, I dare say maybe some cousins, Brother Tim, they said, is this not the son of that carpenter? Who does he think he is? They were going to kill him. And you know what happened there? He did not many miracles in his hometown. But you think that you, you should never have, you should never have to lose a friend for Jesus. Can I, I wish it wasn't that way. But there's people that I grew up with, family members and friends that I was around, who we were buddies and we played together and we hung out together and we ran around together that when I got real with God and when I announced my call to preach at 13, 14 years old and that I went to school and I packed my Bible around, there were people who used to talk to me who wouldn't talk to me anymore. There were people who used to be cordial with me who would yell obscene things out at me in the hallway and make fun of me for it. They mockingly called me Father Paul and Brother Paul in high school because I carried a Bible. And I'm not telling you that so you'll say, wow, look how spiritual Brother Paul is. No, no, no. They didn't know I was just a sorry sinner in my heart saved by grace. But it bothered them that I wanted to be something for Christ because all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a part of the cross. You know, you can't carry a cross around without somebody noticing. It's pretty large. Wouldn't you say? You walk, those crosses are big enough to hold up a human being. They're pretty big and heavy too. Not easy to carry. And to bear your cross and follow Christ is to say this, I don't care who sees it. It's hard and it hurts, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Can you say amen? amen? Let me give you this last one. We'll be done this morning. I'm skipping a couple things here. I don't want to take too much time, but I will say this. Paul said in Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That this, this thing that we have down here, Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he called it a light affliction. That all the suffering that we might endure is just a light affliction compared to how wonderful and how great things will be if we will just persevere and go forward for Christ. Amen? It's an emblem of suffering, but finally, it's an emblem of shame. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul said this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Hmm. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Paul said Jesus Christ became a curse for us. So what does that mean? Well, that word cursed, what it simply means is, by him saying that he was, that it curses everyone that hangeth on a tree, what it's simply saying is that anybody who'd been hung on a tree would be invoking evil on themselves. That the, oh, don't go near them, they're cursed. They brought evil on themselves. Don't go near that. It's, it's an emblem of, of curse. It's an emblem of, of shame. Turn your eyes, don't look. Amen. 
They would call him accursed. Right? Smitten of men, Isaiah said. He was bruised for our transgressions. He became a curse. To hang on that cross made him a thief, a liar, and a murderer. Whose cross was that? Yours, mine. There was a man, though, who was supposed to go to the cross that day. What kind of man was he? Well, I'll tell you what he was indicted for. Murder. They let him go, and they put Jesus in his place. Isn't that what happened? So Jesus is hanging on that tree, he's hanging on that cross, and you know what he's saying? I'm as good as a murderer. The Son of God. He's the reflection of submission. He's the reflection of suffering. He's the reflection of shame. Let me show you this real quick. The majesty of Christ in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. This is the majesty of Christ. The majesty of Christ is this. He was there in Isaiah chapter 6. He's the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is Jesus. And you know what Jesus was accustomed to? Being surrounded by these seraphim saying this, Holy, holy, holy. His train filled the temple. I don't have time to go into it, but that train represents kings in that day. They would often take patches and they'd put them on this train that would show all the victories that they had won. You know what he said? His train filled the temple, which means his victories are endless. That's the Lord. That's Him in Isaiah chapter 6. But then you go to Isaiah chapter 53. He went from Isaiah chapter 6, being the Lord of hosts in the temple, and the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, chanting and praising Him, and glory be to God. I mean, in the highest, amen. Even in, even in His birth, amen. Glory to God in the highest. Peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. That He is magnificent. He is holy and He is worthy to be praised. And what a, what a glorious and magnificent God that His power and His majesty was overwhelming. And that Isaiah fell down and said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, I'm undone at seeing the majesty of the Lord. But then look at John chapter 19. Turn there. John chapter 19 real quick. John... Chapter 19, we have the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And here He is in John chapter 19. And after it was the preparation, verse 14 says, John 19, 14, 
it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, he, being Pilate, said unto the Jews, Behold your king. You see that? You know what he was in Isaiah chapter 6? King. His train filled the temple. The Lord of hosts. Lord God Almighty, the King. In John chapter 19, as Pilate stood him there before all those Jews, he said, Behold your King. Verse 15. But they cried out. There's somebody crying out in Isaiah chapter 6. It's seraphims. And they're saying, Holy, holy, holy. And now he stands before them. Behold your king. And what do they say? Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. They lied. They don't care about Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. Look at this. And two with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst, and those two we know were thieves. There hangs Jesus, a thief on each side. There's no seraphims. There's no train. There's nobody saying holy. Nobody saying worthy. Nobody saying praise Him. All He heard is away with Him. Crucify Him. Verse 19. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. What a contradiction. He went from His majesty to the mockery of the cross. Pilate put that sign over his head to mock the Jews, and to mock him. They mocked him. We have no king but Caesar. He's no king. And they went and they said, no, change it. It should say, he, says, I'm, I, he said I'm king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I've written what I've written he didn't like them. My goodness, what a contradiction. In one place we see Isaiah, a man who loves God, falling on his face, undone by the majesty of his king. And then in another place we see him on the cross, surrounded by criminals, in the place of a murderer, with a mockery over his head. Behold, Jesus, king of the Jews. He's a reflection of shame. They're casting lots over his clothes. They're putting a mocking crown of thorns on his head. Save yourself. You saved others, save yourself. They spit on him. It says they struck him with their hands. What a contradiction. That in the midst of all that suffering, it's not enough that he's got to suffer, but he's got to endure a great shame. Let's look at the reception of shame. 
Young people, look at me. Being a Christian will never make you cool. Are you listening? Teenagers, being a Christian will never make you popular. Can y'all say amen? When my brother was 15, 16, he surrendered to preach. He's six foot seven, y'all have seen him. He's a giant. And he's a he's a baller. He plays he loved basketball. He lived and breathed basketball. That's all he did when he got home from school. When we weren't working on the farm or whatever, he played ball. We had a little dirt court on the back of the farm with one of them basketball goals that fell over every time you threw a, goal, a ball at it, you know. He loved it, lived and breathed it. And, I, and then when he was in high school, he was, I mean, star player. To be his size, he was also very quick. And he was just good. I'm just telling you, he was good. I hated playing basketball with him because I'm not good. I just hit him. How I played. So I'm like, well, this is basketball slash football on the tackle. We went to teen camp in North Carolina at my Uncle Tony's teen camp. And we were there. The Lord had begun to deal with him. He had surrendered to preach. And the Lord began to deal with him because he, the Lord was dealing with him about the fact that basketball had become an idol in his life. That it was more important than anything else. And Jesus said, you can't be my disciple if anything comes before me. Isn't that what we just saw? So Caleb went back, and it was hard, and he even talked to Tony about it, and, and my dad and some different ones, and me, and we were like, he felt like the Lord wanted him to sit out that year. He only got a few years in high school, and you know, it's time to make your mark, you know. When he told his coach he wasn't going to play ball this year, his coach blew a gasket. You're crazy. You're an idiot. Why would you ever do anything like that? I mean, harsh. You know, coaches can be a little harsh. But what was worse than that? Because Caleb was like, yeah, I understand, but this is what I got to do. What was worse than that was his buddies. The ones he's, I mean, that spent the night at our house growing up. He'd been in since, with, since elementary school. I mean, we grew up in a small town. My graduating class had 109 people in it. It's not a big class. And he, you know, everybody in his, in his class, and even the older and younger classes in high school knew him as Caleb, that ball player guy, Caleb Shirley. He, the people in town in Greene County, they would come talk to him. Man, you're so good at that, you know. He said, I'm not going to play ball this year. Why? Well, I just think the Lord wants me not to because he wants me to focus on him for a year. You know what happened? He lost friends. You know what he suddenly became? Very unpopular. Suddenly, it was, you're the reason that we're going to have a bad season in basketball. Every lost game was his fault. Are you listening to me? Following Jesus will never make you popular. It'll never make you cool. In fact, when Jesus turned around as a big following, he said, y'all want to know the truth? You can't do this. You can't even be my disciple. And they went away. He said, they hated me. They'll hate you. Being a Christian will never make you cool. Jace, it'll never make you popular. Girls, it won't. Darian, being a Christian and following Jesus will never get you a bunch of friends. Adults, receiving the shame of the cross is saying this, I'm willing to be embarrassed for Jesus. 
this morning, on the way up this morning, we were coming through Hodgenville, and the kids were hungry. We swung through a drive-thru real quick to grab a biscuit on the way in. And we were coming up on that, that door, the window, and Brooke pulled out a track out of her purse that said, how to get to heaven from Kentucky and had a horse on it. We kind of laughed about it, and she said, I'm about to give this to the person in the window, and I don't want to. Amen? Amen. My Uncle Tony was preaching, and he mentioned that. He said, I used to throw them like boomerangs as I'd drive by. <laughs> you know why? It's embarrassing to say, hey, can I give you something to read? I just want you to know Jesus loves you. It's embarrassing. Why? We're not embarrassed to talk about how much we love our kids and, you know, things like that, how much we love our basketball team or whatever. But when it comes to talking about the Lord Jesus, this flesh does not like it. And when we talk about, hey, young people, being a Christian will never make you popular. You need to take your Bible to school with you and be a witness in school. Don't, don't drink and go to drinking parties and don't cuss and don't be a fornicator and live for God and all those things. And us adults will say, amen. But can I tell you, the shame of the cross is you going into your workplace and at your lunch table pulling out your Bible, reading your Bible, praying over your food. When you see somebody at work and they go to cuss in the street saying, hey man, listen, I, I love you and, and, and you know, I, if you wouldn't care, I'm a Christian, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk like that. You know what might happen? They might get mad. They might mock you. Just like they did Jesus on the cross. And they said, away with him. They might do that. But you ought to be more than willing to pay that price if that's what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and it's easy for me to say that right now to you, but I'm going to tell you it's still Bible. So well, I've got friends and I've got family and, and they just, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Amen, I, I appreciate that. And I'm not telling you to be aggressive or angry or hateful or anything, but going to hell should not be comfortable. Amen. Reaching others, it's going to make your flesh uncomfortable, but if we're going to endure the shame of the cross, if I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to be a disciple, what it means is this. It means I'm going to have to endure some shame. Amen? Jesus became an emblem of a curse and a shame for us. Are you too ashamed to receive the shame of the cross in your life? John 15, 18, if the world hates you, we've said it again and again, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Luke 9, Jesus said this, Luke 9, 26 said, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him, shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come into his own glory and his fathers and of the holy angels. I don't want him to be ashamed of me. What a small price to pay to put my comfort Amen? In a bad place for His glory. In the moment, I know it feels like a large price, but can I tell you, it is such a small price when He paid such an enormous price. The realization. We've looked at the reflection of these in Jesus and the reception of them in us, but the realization of submission, the realization of suffering, and the realization of shame in the cross is very simply this. If you are unwilling, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, 
cannot be my disciple. And in Matthew, he said in 1038, and he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. We must be willing to submit. We must be willing to suffer. And we must be willing to endure the shame of our cross. Why? Well, then, then we can be his disciples. The question is, do you want to be? Do you want to be his disciple? Why would I want to be his disciple? Good place to be. You do know that you have the option, and I'm, we're, I'm trying to close here. But you do know you have the option. You have the option. All that multitude, they had the option. And he's, he's telling them, look guys, you've got a choice here. You can do what you want. You can follow me until you're tired, and you can go home, you can do your thing. Or, you can be my disciple. The disciples of Christ, Brother Tim, they did the work of God. They saw things in their life that nobody else ever saw. They walked closer with God than anybody else ever walked. God did more with them and for them than He did anybody else. Why? Because they were special? No. Because they were willing to forsake all, pick up their cross, and follow Him. Are you? Will you be His disciple? If you will, there's pain that comes with being a disciple. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.